Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Look at your neighbor and just say, I'm happy to see you today. Come on, you don't know if they need this compliment or not. Just let them know you, you look nice today. Come on, my brother, your beard is sharp today. Your beard too, my man. These beards, man, y'all gotta put me on. Y'all gotta teach me. It's good to be in the house of God once again. What's up, B? It's good to be in the house of God. My, my dad would say, it's, it's good to be in the land of the living. Anybody happy to be alive today? Many people didn't make it. Here you are. And we didn't do anything to earn God's grace. He just has been faithful to us. You know, and sometimes a God that is so faithful all the time, you can miss his faithfulness because he's just always, always faithful. Speaking about faithfulness, I want to preach about this faithful God. That's my responsibility. Grab your Bibles and let's get to, uh, to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Psalms today. Psalm 57 is where we're going to be. As you turn there... Uh, this was announced, but I just want to re-announce it again, kind of double down on it. Uh, March 26th, somebody say March 26th. It, it is anniversary Sunday. It is our seventh year anniversary. And man, we are, we are like really, really excited. You know, the Bible often calls us to like slow down, stop and remember. Remember when Israel was crossing the Jordan? God was like, man, slow down, grab them stones, build me an altar, build me a memorial. It's a place that you can remember uh, how I have brought you out. Uh, of the land of Egypt and brought you into your own, uh, your own place. And so we get to do that on March 26th. Both services are going to be lit. Um, let me just say, like, get here early. If you're on time, you're late. Get here early because we expect that. Um, I'm hoping that everybody will bring no less than five people with them. Somebody say amen. We're going to put some more chairs down, but we're expecting that's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason, will be here preaching. We have... Um, we have, it's, it's just some, some surprises that we have that is going to, I think you guys are going to be encouraged and excited about. So some stuff that we want to, we want to open up and, and kind of, kind of show you for the first time. If I keep talking, I'll, I'll spill it. So, uh, but 930 and 1130, we will, we will have um, those two services and we will be celebrating in both of them. Um, also, before I get into the word of God, I just have to lay this before you guys. Um, if you have been coming to Epiphany Church for the last two months, uh, right when we say amen, so literally right after we take communion, I'm going to give like a minute for anybody that's here for the first time. By the way, where are our first time visitors at? Oh, y'all, like, can y'all just wave your hand? Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. I see y'all. I see y'all. Thank you for coming, sis. Uh, it, means a, it means a lot. It's a big deal that you are here. Um, but immediately following, if, if you're a first time visitor, the meeting just wouldn't make sense. We not, we're trying to exclude you or anything. It just wouldn't make sense. So I'll give about a minute for those of you who, um, if you've just been, if you just came today or just started coming like within the last couple of weeks. Uh, but if you've been coming to here like physically in person for the last two months, there is some information that I need to share with you. Um, you know, First Peter 5 says, shepherd the flock of God among, among you, exercising oversight. And so there's just a bit of shepherding that I need to do. Um, our live stream, if you're on live stream right now, is going to it's going to end a little bit earlier, right after the sermon, probably right after communion, uh, so that we can have a bit of a quick in-house meeting. It'll probably be five to ten minutes, but please, if you guys would give your boy that time, 
Um, I really, really need to lay something before you guys. All right, Psalm 57. Y'all good? All right, Psalm 57 is where we're hanging out. It is, um, if I'm honest with you, if I can just lay my cards on the table, today's sermon was birthed out of a lot of conversations that I've had with a lot of you. A lot of you guys have, um, have shared things um, about this season of life that you're in. It could be a season where you are um, confused over being laid off, or maybe it's a hard season of, of loss. Maybe it's broken relationships that you're mourning over. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis. Um, over the last several months, I've had conversations with people about a bunch of, a range of topics that make this season that you're in currently difficult. And I believe that if we can connect purpose to the current season we're in, we can make sense of the season that we're in. And that, that's a bad season, but that's also good seasons as well. And I think Psalm 57 is going is gonna, gonna, gonna to help us. David is going to help us this morning to understand purpose. Let's jump right in. Pick me up in verse 1. Actually, let me, let me do this. I'm gonna, tech team is going to kill me, but let me do the inscription. I'm going to read the inscription above the text before, um, before I get into the, the, to the verse. The inscription above the text says this, Psalm 57, to the choir master according to do not destroy, that is a, a song, a victim of David when he fled from Saul in a cave. Verse one, David says this, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me for in you my soul takes refuge. Somebody say refuge. In, your in the shadow of your wings, I take refuge till the storm of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, the God who fulfills his purpose. Let me just read that again. I cry out to God most high, the God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will pour out shame. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Pay attention to verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let the glory, let your glory be over all the earth. They set a new, a net, um, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into them, to it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O oh harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O oh Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. I told you to pay attention to verse 5, but also pay attention to verse 11. Be exalted, O oh God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the nations. I want to preach today from the topic entitled The Purpose of Purpose. Uh, if, I, if I could put the, the sermon topic in a question form, it would be, what is the purpose of purpose? Let's look to the Lord before we, uh, before we get into the word of God today. Uh, Father, as we dig into your word, we do so humbly and, and reverently, knowing, knowing in a reverent way, knowing that we, we cannot understand your word without you illuminating our minds. And once we can understand your word, it helps us to understand life because your Bible tells us that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so Father, I pray for the dark areas today that they would be illuminated through your word. 
Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would sharpen us through your word today, that you would correct us, that you would encourage us, that your word would not return void. Save somebody today. Heal somebody's brokenness today. Make sense of our seasons today because you can do that through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Purpose of purpose. I'm going to start uh, with a, a quick statement. Here it is. Few things are as important as understanding your purpose. Now, I know that doesn't feel deep, but, it, but it's, it's true. Few things are as important as understanding your purpose. And here's why. Because I believe that when you understand your purpose, you will deal with the inconveniences and the hardships and the setbacks along the way to your purpose. You'll deal with them differently. In other words, if you understand your purpose, but you understand at the end of that thing, at the end of that thing, at that, that hard season, there, there is something that's going to be fruitful. You deal with the current season differently. It's almost like if I ask you to read a 600-page boring novel, and I said, hey, every time you get to the word the, do me a favor, just circle the word the. Every time, every time, you know how many the's are in a 600-page novel? Every time you just need to circle the word the, you, you would think that's a daunting and cumbersome task. It seems mean, meaningless. It seems pointless. I don't think you would be excited about it. However, if I said, let me attach purpose to why I want you to do that, I want you to take the same novel, I know it's boring, and I want you to circle the word the, but every time you find the word the, I'm actually going to cash up you $500. My, 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 my guess is that you would go through that task differently. Now, now, here's the thing. It's still the same tedious task. The only thing I did was attach purpose to it. Because when I attach purpose to it, it makes the daunting task seem like it's something that you can actually get through because you know at the end of it, there is some type of fruit and so I believe that in the text today, what we're going to see is David in the midst of a hard season and a hard situation and trials and setbacks, but even in the midst of it, he is able to understand his purpose and how God has wired him, and he's able to now connect his current season to something that he knows that God is going to do in the future. There's a reason I read the inscription above the text. The reason I did is because it gives us the context. Sometimes you don't have to be like, let me give you all context. I got to work the way. The text actually gives you the context in the inscription. It says that this is a psalm of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. How many remember that story? The Bible says that, that, uh, that God has raised up the first king, which is Saul, because the people were like, give us a king, give us a king. God is like, ah, y'all don't want that. He's going to take, he's going to take, he's going to take. And then, and then they're like, you know what? We still want it. Give us a king. And so they, he gives them Saul. But then he rejects Saul. Simultaneously, the Bible says that he raises up David. Y'all remember the story when Samuel went to Jesse's house and Jesse has eight kids and, and he's like, man, he not the one, he not the one. He looked nice, but he ain't the one. Remember, God's like, yo, you look at, at the outward appearance, but it's God that judges the heart. He says, man, there's one more son that you have. Oh, David, the, 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 the shepherd, the, the scrawny kid. The Bible says that Jesse brings him over and Samuel sees him. He says, that's him. That's our future king. So he anoints him. But what happens is once he anoints him to be king, there's already a king that's over Israel. Y'all don't see the conflict there already? So the Bible says that David loves Samuel and he loves, his, uh, uh, loves Saul and he loves his son Jonathan and he's going through life. But because he's so anointed and so good and at, at what he's doing, he's a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that Saul began to get jealous to the point where the people were singing, uh, Saul uh, slains his thousands, but David, 
He slains ten thousands, and they're singing this song, and they get, it's a hook to it. And they just keep singing it, and Saul is getting he, he's getting angry. Saul is getting upset. Saul is getting perturbed. Saul is getting out of order. He's getting out of pocket, and and, and so what he does is the Bible says that Saul started to hate David to the point where he was ready to kill him. And when he's ready to kill David, the Bible says that David flees. Well, where does he flee? He flees into a cave. This is called the cave of Abdulam. Somebody say Abdulam. Now, not the Abdulam Ablangada. Now, I'm just like the actual cave is called the cave of Abdulam. And in, in, in this cave, I think there's some lessons that we can learn. In fact, there's three lessons. Write these down. If you, if you miss it, I'm going to say them quick. If you miss it, I'll repeat them throughout the sermon. First point that we can learn about purpose, understanding God's purpose will help you to see that everything brings God glory. Point two, understanding God's purpose gives you peace in hard seasons. Point number three, understanding God's purpose is mostly about what he's doing in you. Let's deal with all three of them. First one, understanding God's purpose will help you to see that everything brings him glory. Pick me back up in verse verse number five. I told you to pay attention to this. Verse five says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Look at verse number 11. You'll notice that it's an identical twin. It says the exact same thing. He didn't lose his place. He's trying to get a point across. This is what David Helm will call a melodic line. He says the same thing. Verse number 11, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David says, be glorified two times. Now, what is so interesting in David saying, be glorified two times, it amazes me because David's life is currently in jeopardy. David is on the run. King Saul is on the heels of David. He is hiding out in a cave. He has no place to go. And not once through this psalm, I don't know if y'all picked it up, but in the 11 verses, not one time does David actually pray to be rescued. David doesn't pray not one time that God would vindicate him. He does not pray that God would kill Saul. In fact, the opposite is true. There was a moment where he had a chance to kill Saul and he doesn't. Not only that, but when Saul actually dies in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, the Bible says that the men around David begin to rejoice. And David is like, why are you rejoicing? This was God's anointed. So it's the opposite for David. David is sitting in this cave and he's not doing like I would do. I'd be going, God, you got to get me out of here. God, you got to rescue me. God, you got you to you, you smite the army outside. But David doesn't pray for any of that. You know what David says while he's in the cave? Be exalted. Oh, God, above the heavens, let, the, let your glory be over all the earth. What David prays for is God's glory because David understands that his current situation, don't miss this, his current situation has a bigger plan. His, and I'm not talking about David, I'm talking about you. His current situation actually fits within a bigger plan of what God is doing. David's, uh, superseding David's desire to be rescued is David's desire for God to get the glory. Can I say that again? Superseding David's desire to be rescued is David's desire for God to be glorified because David concluded that God is worthy of the praise even though his situation isn't comfortable. And y'all know we bought into the lie. We buy into the lie that God is after my comfort. God is after my comfort. God is after my comfort. When in reality, God ain't after your comfort. He's after his glory all the time. And the moment you understand that God ain't just taking you out because you want to be out, God will take you out once he gets the complete glory that is due 
to him. Remember last week when I told you God has booby-trapped your life to bring him glory? Every, every aspect of your life. That means to get glory out of your, your life, he uses pain to get glory. To get glory out of your life, he uses joy to get glory. He uses hardship to get glory. He uses open doors. He uses closed doors. Sometimes we think God is only getting the glory when we get the promotion. But I came to submit to you today that he gets the glory if you get laid off. Because God is always after his glory. Somebody say God's after his glory, not your comfort. I didn't mean to say that. Won't you look at your neighbor and say it? Because they, they may not believe me, but they might believe you. So look at your neighbor and just say, God is after his glory, not your comfort. God never, ever, ever, ever puts anything above himself. The moment God, if God puts something above his glory, do you realize that he would actually be going against his first commandment in Exodus 20? What is his first commandment? His commandment is you shouldn't have no other gods before me. So the moment I put something before my glory, I've now broken my own covenant, my own commandment. So there's nothing greater than God's glory. Read scripture. God is always after his glory. And I get it. You know, many of us grew up in churches where we really believe that God is only with us when everything is peachy keen and, 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 and we're in the seasons of, 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 of that's wonderful and bountiful. When we're in those seasons, we think that those are the only times that God is getting glory out of our life. But I just want to submit to you today, there is another time that God gets glory, and that's through seasons of pain. Y'all remember the story in, in Luke, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 13, where the Bible says that there was a woman that was bent over. She had a back issue. She was bent over. And here's the season that she had. She had a hard season for 18 years, literally bent over, couldn't, couldn't walk straight. Y'all ever seen anybody walk like that? Like their back is messed up and they're, they're kind of, you know, at a 90 degree angle. And the Bible says in verse 13 of chapter 13 of, of the book of Luke that Jesus sees her. And when he sees her, he lays his hands on her. And when he lays his hands, she immediately straightens up. Now, that's not the miracle to me. The miracle is the next few words, because the Bible says that she immediately straightened up and then she glorified God. So in other words, God would have missed an opportunity to get glory if he had not made uh, allowed an ailment to be on this woman's life for 18 years. He would have missed an opportunity to get glory. And so many times we just want to be out of the season. We don't want to. It's hard. I don't want to be in it. But really what you're doing is you're being a glory thief. Because if you stay in it long enough, God will get the glory out of it. I don't know how. I don't know why he does it. His ways are higher than my ways. But God, I want you to get the glory out of this current season. God is always after his glory and he uses a lot. I think we have a really bad theology for go through. We have a really low theology for suffering. We do. This Americanized Christianity has watered down the idea of suffering. Now, I really don't like preaching stuff like this because I feel like every time I do, I actually start suffering. So I'm like, God, like, like, Lord, skip this one. Can we just like, let's get the Hebrews, do something else. But here we are in Psalm 57 where David's situation mimics our situation. You might not be in a cave, but your situ situation is very cave-like. Your, your situation is, is, is almost unbearable. I'm serious when I say I really don't like, like, I feel like every time I preach stuff like this, um, it doesn't even take long. God, it almost, I feel like DJ Khaled, God be like, and another one. He just drop another suffering, another hardship on you. But for some, somehow, some way, God gets the glory. Now, don't 
hear me say that he only gets glory out of hardship. That's one of the ways he also gets glory out of, out of joy. He does. He, he gets glory out of fruitfulness and, and, and faithfulness to him, but he's always after his glory. In fact, let me read something to you. Here's the question. Why did God create the universe? Psalm 19 is why, how he did it or why he did. The heavens declare the glory of God. Why did God choose to save Israel? Psalm 106, yet he saved Israel for his namesake, a.k.a. his glory. Why did God save us? Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, number 5 and 6, he predestined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ according to, here it is, his, the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. He saved you for his glory. He, he created you for his glory. He, you're here today for his glory. He put the situation on you today for his glory. What about the food you ate this morning? The breakfast you had, the, the coffee you sipped on, the orange juice, the freshly squozen orange juice you drank this morning, the, the flavors and the notes that you had. Do you think that was just to fill your belly? Do you know why you ate this morning? Because 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, for whatever you drink or eat, do it all for the glory of God. God is always after his glory. He's not after my comfort. And the moment you get this is the moment that you will begin to make sense of pain. Okay, Pastor B, I'm feeling you. I, I think I'm getting it. So, so you're telling me I exist to bring God glory in every season, in every situation, no matter what, period. That's why you exist. That's why you were born. That's why he saved you. That's why he put you on that job. That's why he put you in that family. That's why he put you on that block. That's why he put you in that building. Because he wants you to be a glory reflector. Because he wants the glory in all seasons. So here's what David said. David's like, yo, I'm in the, my, my life is in jeopardy. My life is at stake right now. God, what do you want to, what do, you want to do? Oh, be exalted, verse 5 of verse 11. Above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. He understands that life's purpose, which gives him perspective for why he's in the cave. There's a few chapters that David wrote while he's in the cave. This is one of them. But I dare you this week that let that be your devotional. I'm going to look at all of the psalm that David wrote while he was in the cave. You got Psalm 142. He wrote it when he was in the cave. He writes this one, Psalm 57. So I dare you this week to just... Just kind of browse through scripture and find the scripture, find the passages in Psalm that he wrote while he was in the cave and watch how much glory he wants God to get. So point one, understanding God's purpose will help you to see how everything brings him glory, brings God glory. Point two, understanding God's purpose gives you peace in hard seasons. Look at verse number four. I had to tie this one together, but when, it, when, it, when, I, when I saw it, it, it made so much sense to me. Verse number four says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongue is are sharp swords. Jump down to verse number seven. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. I will make a melody. Awake my, uh, my glory. Awake, O oh harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O oh Lord, amongst the among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Pause right here for a second. I don't know if you peep in the game that, that, that David is dropping right now, but David literally said, I have peace in the midst of this hardship 
all day long. Now, you don't just you don't see that if you don't really understand what he's saying. But verse four, he said, don't pay attention. He said, when I lie down around a lions and fiery beasts, in other words, the army that is ready to kill me when I when I lie down, that means they're outside the cave. But guess what I'm doing inside the cave? I'm sleeping. That's number one. So when the sun goes down, I'm chilling, I'm sleeping. I'm, that, that's trust, that's, that's dependency, that's reliance on the Lord. But then he says in verse seven to nine, he says, but when I rise early in the morning, boys, go grab the harp and lyre because we're going to worship. Put some Maverick City on and we're going to worship the Lord. So when I go to sleep, I'm good because I know God's got me. But when I wake up, I'm going to give God the glory. In other words, this man got some crazy peace right now. How do you have this type of peace in the midst of an army on your heels ready to kill you. If David steps foot outside the cave, he will die. But he's inside the cave sleeping and praising, sleeping and worshiping, sleeping and giving God the glory. And I don't know who it is in this room, you know, that, 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 that thinks David was, was like always this word. Yeah, he killed bears and lions with his hands. Yeah, he, he killed Goliath. I, I, I get that. Like, so we, we think of David, this mighty warrior, but David's a human. That David is a human being. Right now, he should be overcome with fear. Right now, he should be preparing his battle plans. Right now, he should be trying to figure out how he's going to get out of this cave and get to higher ground because if I can get to higher ground, that's a better, better uh, uh, a point of position for defense. He's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not worried about all that. I'm going to get some Zs, some shut-eye, and when I wake up, I'm going to give God glory. I'm going to go into devotion. I'm going to go into worship because I got peace in the middle of the situation. And I, and I love this. You know why I love this? Because many of us in this room struggle with anxiety and we struggle with, with you know, some of y'all ain't sleeping weeks and maybe you get two or three hours. I know I'm in the room. You get two or three hours and maybe you lie down, right? Maybe you lie down, but and you turn the lights off and you put the phone away. But let's be honest, you know, it's hard to get that mind to stop roaming, that that mind be going 10,000 miles per hour. But I... I woke up this morning to encourage the room and to tell you, get some sleep. Your God is on the throne. Your God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Why are we sleepless? There's two reasons why the Lord keeps me up. And there, there are times where I just, I legit can't go to sleep. There are two reasons. Number one, for me, he'll keep me up if I did something wrong and I need to repent or, or, or I, I wronged somebody, I, I defamed the name of the Lord, it'll keep me up at night. The second reason is if there's chaos out in the world. Now, that first reason, I want to stay up because I want to spend time with the Lord saying I'm sorry. But the second one, I ain't staying up because Negro's going crazy on the outside of the world. I'm about to go to sleep. I need somebody to have that type of a disposition. I'm serious. People, if you allow them to put their, their insecurities and their issues on you, you will always be up. But y'all need to be like, David, I'm among lions and fiery beasts, but your boy, got, I got to go to sleep. I don't know who it is in this room that you've been struggling. I pray that you wouldn't lose a drop of sleep. I pray that when you wake up, you would spend time with the Lord, even in the midst of fiery beasts and even in the midst of lions, that you would spend time with the Lord. And when you go to sleep, your sleep will be sweet. There's, there's a verse tucked away in Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3.24. I need y'all to memorize this one. The Proverbs 3.24 says, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Like every night, if you are struggling going to sleep, every night you should quote that one. Proverbs 3.24, when I lie down, my sleep will be sweet. 
good night. And I'm not talking about like that, you know, I'm talking really entering that rim where you, your mouth open and you drooling. I'm talking he gives you that sleep. Some of y'all haven't slept in a long time and you, you've talked to, to therapists about it and you've gone to sleep therapy. You've taken uh, sleeping pills and some of y'all pulled out the NyQuil because you know the insurance ain't working. So you're like, I got to get the. So you grab the NyQuil. Some of y'all done watch, uh, li- listen to them, the, the, to the white noise. Some of y'all watch them ASMR videos. By the way, Ty, I love Ty, man. When she be up here doing, when she be up here doing welcome and announcement, she be, it sounds so ASMR. Her voice is just so relaxing. So calming. Some of y'all have been watching videos, them ASMR videos, just to calm yourself down, just to, just to get to a place of sleep. Here's what I want to suggest to you, and I want to be so presumptuous to do so. I want you this week to pray, give that thing over to the Lord, put that phone away, and get some sleep. That's the deepest thing you can do this week. See, y'all want to be so theological. David slept. Then he woke up and he said, oh, 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 the sun is rising. It rose a little earlier this morning. The sun is rising. Grab the heart. Grab the lyre. Let's praise. Let's let's glorify God because he is worthy. Oh, my situation doesn't look like he's worthy, but he's still worthy. My situation doesn't, 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 doesn't equal God being worthy, but if I look spiritually with discernment, I can see, yeah, God, you're worthy of all times, at all times, of all the praise. And so I want to give you praise when? All day when I go to sleep, I want to be praising you. When I wake up, I want to praise you. Point one, understanding God's purpose will help you to see that everything brings him glory. Point number two, understanding God's purpose gives you peace in hard seasons. Finally, number three, understanding God's purpose is mostly about what he's doing in you. Now, at the expense of preaching this backwards, look at verse one. Verse one says, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. One thing that I think David is learning in this situation is that God is his ultimate refuge. I do not think that David would have understood the lesson of God protecting him and, and being his refuge and being his fortress unless he was in this place. That, that, that's just my own, the text ain't say that, but I believe it to be tro- true based on what happens when David becomes king. See, David's not king right now. Saul is king, but David is in the midst of this cave and it's It almost would be justified for David to think that his refuge really is the cave, right? Like if I I was in the open field, I would die, but this cave is protecting me. No, the cave isn't protecting you. The one who created the cave is your refuge. David could have put full reliance on his old handy dandy slingshot. He could have said, man, I I already killed Goliath with a slingshot, so I can go outside and pop, pop, pop a couple off. But But this army is 10 times bigger than what he has currently inside the cave. So David never says in the text, my refuge is the cave, my skills with a slingshot. David says, my refuge is in the Lord. And he would have learned this through this situation in the cave. Now, here's why this is important that you learn what God is doing in you in the the, the season you're in. Here's why it's important. Because David is in the situation now. If If you look at this story, it's in 1 Samuel 22. But if you fast forward to 2 Samuel 23, David is king. And while David is king, Caleb, he finds himself back in the cave of Abdullam. 
Why is the king in the cave of Abdullam? You know why? Because the Philistine army is outside and he is giving God glory once again the second time. And I think he only learned the lesson because he understood what God was doing in him while he was in the cave the first time. Y'all remember when he was in the cave the second time? The Bible says that he just uttered a wish, a simple wish. God, man, I really wish that I could get that water from Bethlehem. And the Bible says that his mighty men, his mighty warriors snuck out of the cave without David knowing. And they go all the way to Bethlehem. It's crazy. They go to Bethlehem. They get water. And they were kind of like um, uh, 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 Eddie Murphy with, with their Shanti dagger. And he's like, you know, with the water, he didn't want to spill it. Y'all didn't see that movie? Y'all too young. Y'all too young. Y'all, no, seriously. Show of hands because that's classic. Like, I just want to know who, who hasn't seen Golden Child? You haven't seen Missouri? Ah. Uh. Oh, man, that messed me up. What was I saying? (laughs) Zuri, you got to watch it tonight. Okay, all right. So anyway, they sneak out of the cave. They get to Bethlehem. They get the water. They bring it back. Craziness. They fight off the Philistines, get back in the cave, and they give David the water. You know what David does? He pours it out. I'm not worthy. You risked your life for me. I'm not worthy. There's only one that's worthy of that type of glory and that type of honor. Once again, David didn't want to be a glory thief, and so he gave God the glory. He only learned that type of, that, that, that type of disposition because he was in the cave the first time. The Bible says here that he says, God, you are my refuge. How do I know you're my refuge? Because you, you're, you're my safety net. You're, you're my security. I know oftentimes we give credit to so many other things but God. Like as much as I, y'all hear me and y'all know I am serious about therapy and y'all should be going to therapy and some of y'all got trauma that's unresolved and sometimes we try to over-spiritualize it. The altar can't do what a good therapist can do. You need both. But don't get it twisted. If you're being helped, it's not because the therapist was so good and their credentials were so great. It's because God put something in them. No, they know how to write, ask the right questions because God wired them that way and they give you help. Ultimately, God still is your refuge. I need somebody to say amen right there. God still is your refuge. And so he says, God, you are my refuge. He says it twice. It's almost, he's so repetitive. He says, be merciful. Be merciful. In other words, God, I, I know that I don't really deserve to have your grace and have your mercy. And so I got to plead for mercy. I ain't, well, notice, he ain't pleading for merit. He ain't going, God, you, you know, I, I saved Israel. Like, I, I, killed, I killed Goliath. He's not doing none of that. David is simply saying, God, be merciful. Be merciful. In you, I take refuge. Here's my question to the room before we end. Where's your refuge? What is, your, what is your refuge? The greatest refuge you can have is not from Saul's army. The greatest refuge you can have is refuge from the eternal wrath of God. That, that is the greatest refuge. And you only get that type of refuge. Y'all know I got to slip Jesus in here. The only way you get that type of refuge is by the one that gives us eternal refuge. Because what Jesus does is he does what, 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 what only he can do. He comes down off of his throne where he's being worshipped to come down to dwell amongst us, us so that he can go to a cross and that he can absorb the wrath and hide you from the wrath. That's all he does. He hides you from the very wrath of God. I remember I went to Houston one time and it was raining so bad. 
And when we took off, for some reason, it was raining here in New York. We get to Houston. It's still raining in Houston. Not the same storm, but it's, it's raining in Houston. And um, when I get out, when I, when I get on the plane, I'm looking outside. I see the rain. I get off the plane. I go out and I jump in the Uber. And the Uber takes me to the hotel. No, actually, I stop at Starbucks. Stop at Starbucks. We go through the drive-thru, grab me a coffee. We then go to the hotel. And the hotel had that, I think it's called a canopy. You just kind of ride up underneath it. And I got I never had an umbrella. But you know what? I never got wet. You know why I never got wet? Because I was. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus covers you from the very wrath of God. So when I talk about the refuge that we can find in Jesus, I'm talking about refuge and safety from God's eternal wrath because he's so holy. He has to pour it out. Jesus is like, pour it out on me. I am the umbrella. I am the one that stops them from experiencing the very wrath of God. David here in this situation should be having a panic attack. Listen, if this was your boy, I would be curled up in the corner crying and ready to end it all. David is praising. David is worshiping. David is writing. David is not having anxiety. He's not having a panic attack. He simply has trusted that God would be faithful. Anybody know that he's always faithful? As, as we land this plane, I want to pray for somebody today that a couple of things. Number one, you've had those sleepless nights. In fact, you're currently in that situation where just you, there's no, there's just no solace. There's no peace. There's no shalom. It looks peaceful. Like everybody else thinks you, you know, you came to church today. Look good. You smell good. So everybody think you good. But you know, inside you are torn up to pieces. You're ready to give up. You're ready to give up. I just think today is the day that God wants to, he wants you to give that completely over to him. He wants you to be like David sleeping. He wants you to be like David worshiping. He wants you to be like David, not having anxiety and not being panicked. Now there's later on, there's points where David does, you know, he does get a little, a little anxious. There, there's, there, there are songs where David is like, God, where are you? But in this song, David is trusting the Lord. I want to pray for somebody today that has had sleepless nights. I want to pray for somebody that's in the midst of a hard situation. You're trying to figure out how does this situation connect to my purpose? Like, God, I know you promised some things, but, you know, that math ain't mathing. My life just don't, it ain't lining up. I believe that today God is trying to help you to understand your current season actually has purpose. Why? Because he's doing something in you. And finally, I want to pray for the person that is genuinely desiring for God to be their refuge. You know, there, there's a scripture. I learned it in King James in Psalm 91. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, my God, he is my refuge and he is my fortress. Him will I trust. I want to pray for the person that's been anxious, toiling, sleepless. Look, we ain't got a lot of time. I got to talk to y'all after service. Can y'all do me a favor? Can y'all just come up to the altar so we can pray together? Just come on up to the altar, y'all. You've been struggling. You've been having those restless nights. You feel uneasy. Y'all come on up to the altar today. Thank you, my brother. Y'all come on up. I see you coming. I see you coming. Oh, y'all come on. Y'all see this? Y'all keep clapping as people are coming. It's incredible. 
Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. He is our refuge. Oftentimes, those of you who came to the altar, they're still coming, y'all. Oftentimes, when, when we're in the midst of a hard season and a trial, we're, we're only simply looking to get out of it. But I wonder what God is doing. And here's the thing, bro. God, what he's doing in you in this season, oftentimes is far greater than the destination when you get out of it. I'm telling you, y'all want to be out, y'all want to be out, y'all want to be out, and I get it. I feel the same way, but God does something in the midst of that season that is unexplainable, and so we have to stop lusting over new seasons and be faithful in the current one. God, do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do. Every head bow, every eye closed. Just as a sign of surrendering, those of you who are on the altar, can you just lift your hands? But I thank you, oh God these brothers, these sisters, these prophets, these women of God, these, these men of God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that whatever it is that they're in the midst of, and I don't know, I don't know their situation, I don't know their circumstance, but you know all things. And you're not only in the midst of their situation, but you're, you're in the season after it. You're not just in there today, you're in tomorrow. You don't know tomorrow, you're in it. And so, Father, help us to be fully reliant on you. But we don't like this season. I'm, I think I'm speaking on behalf of all of us. We don't like it. But get your glory out of it. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would calm fear on this altar. I pray, oh God, that you would calm the anxiety on this altar. I pray that we would do our due diligence and get the help that we need, the, the physical help we need. But Lord, really what we also need is that supernatural work from you. Give us insight to what you're doing. Give us discernment to what you're doing. And Father, I pray for testimonies. I pray that when we leave out of this situation, we'd be able to help somebody else in it because we've overcome and we could say, I was in the cave, but God brought me out. So Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Get the glory. Get the glory out of that hurt. Get the glory out of that pain. Get the glory out of those lies. Get the glory out of that layoff. Get the glory out of that, of that shame. Get the glory out of all of it because that is our purpose and life is to bring you glory. So Lord, I pray, oh God, for these husbands and wives and these singles, this young man, this child that's on the altar, I pray, oh God, that the purpose will be crystallized and we will understand in retrospect why it is that you had us in it and we'll be able to say, unto your name get the glory. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto you. Reveal purpose. Re reveal destination. Reveal those things, oh God, that are secret to man, but known to you. Reveal them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, you may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Those of you who are going back to your seat, I, I, I genuinely need y'all to walk through this next season with a little bit more swag knowing that God got y'all. Our worship team is coming up. Our communion is coming around. Communion is a time that we get to celebrate the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we, we, we do so by taking... We do so by taking... The symbol of his body and the symbol of his blood 
As the worship, as the worship team comes up and communities come around, do me a favor. Once y'all get it, can everybody just stand up? Let's sing this old school hymn together and worship Jesus.